Chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat. And welcome to the Crime chat I am your forensic femme fatale. Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two normal girls who, when we wake up in the morning and roll out of bed, the devil says, holy crap, they're up. Because <laughs> he knows we're going to obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. So. Well, you think the devil would like that. <laughs> but maybe he's just scared of us. He's scared of us. The following crime chat contains adult content and descriptions of violent scenarios, like really violent scenarios, like creepy, Ooh. holy crap, violent scenarios today so your listener discretion is advised you have been warned and today before we get in today's crime chat cat what have you done well first of all happy birthday to you is that little it's a uni kitty kitty cat <laughs> happy birthday nat you are the crime to my Aww. chat and i just want to say happy birthday so chatters out there make sure you shout out to natalie it is her birthday Thank you. I'm gonna keep this on Thank the rest you. of the time. That that is adorable. You got oh my god. That <laughs> yeah, did it's you a cat. make did you make that? Uh no. Okay. Amazon is wonderful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's it. Nothing has really much changed. Still watching Stranger Things. I know it's slow rolling. Mm. But we do have an update. I made it through the first round of the Ultimate Stylist. So yes. uh, the second round is the top 10 and I'm still in fourth place after that I do believe it's going to go to the top five and then the votes are gonna start from scratch girl you're gonna win this we we are gonna get you to the top yeah yes (laughs) and as I said last week the proceeds or much of the proceeds from this competition go to the born this way foundation Uh which is a phenomenal foundation founded by Lady Gaga and her mother to bring awareness to youth mental health mental illness to notice signs uh, how to cope all that so i think it's absolutely wonderful and we are gonna go out for chicken mcnuggies yay when i win (laughs) but other i mean other than that if you're watching us on the patreon you're watching your video nat's got a little bit of a different background what happened so i fell and broke my ass in the most ridiculous way possible, <laughs> all right? Not many people have this story, but I was coming home from work yesterday, was proceeding to get out of my car. Of course, I had my, I was on my phone on one hand. I was putting my computer bag on my shoulder. I was trying to grab my Starbucks and like, I was just like pushing stuff out, you know, getting out of my car. I don't know how, I, I'm always doing a mo- 10 million things at once. Oh, yeah. And my flip-flop got caught, because I live in Florida. Mm-hmm. That's what we do, we wear flip-flops. Of course. It got caught in the like by the pedal for brake pedal yeah yeah and it got stuck and when i went to get out of my car my legs were not with me and i fell out of the car and i look ridiculous and i broke my ass girl i'm lucky <laughs> i didn't land on my face i la- i landed on my arm yeah. i bruised my hip my ankle is really swollen yeah. but twisted like our senses of humor yeah twisted <laughs> right <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, girl. The only thing that it, it, it screws up is this weekend I had tickets to go to. Well, I still do. I mean, I had tickets to go to see uh, the Van Gogh. Oh, yeah. Uh, v- Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah, the art. mobile museum thing because they've been going uh, all around yes. the country, which is really cool. Yes. Yeah. And I want to go in the worst way. And and it, I was so looking forward to it. And my, my friend today was like, you know, we still can go. I'll just get you one of those hover rounds and you just <laughs> zip around. <laughs> Or they've got like those little scooters that you can put like your knee on and wheel around. Wheel around. It's like a little scooter. And I'll have my little like iPod like blasting music, and it'll be like. (laughs) (laughs) It's the new age witch broom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Oh, that is so. Oh, that is so funny. I am so sorry. Look, girl, that is something that I would do. For another crime chat, did give myself a concussion, so I'm with it. I'm with you. Like how, that kind how, of stuff just happens, right? And it's like usually a stupid situation. Like what? Wait, how did you give yourself a concussion? Ah, uh, it's another story. Okay, another crime chat. It's another crime right. chat. <laughs> okay. Well, so this story that you have going on yeah. this eve, I don't know much about it. Last time you quizzed me on my cult knowledge. Yes, cult serial killers, yeah. which came out of my serial killer. Well, I tried to get some of my, my serial killer trivia book, but the story that I'm doing today is where I found it. It's where I found this crime chat. The idea for it is from this story in the uh, women serial killer section. Oh, okay. 
All right. I and I, I didn't do that bad. No, you did great. Halfway. You did great. I was I was uh, there was some tough ones in there. So yeah, there were there were a couple of right. trick questions, but you know, majority of the times I was kind of just throwing words at you. <laughs> and I caught them. Yeah. I caught them all. Yeah. I mean, like Pokemon, gotta catch them all. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! So before <laughs> we get into your story today, you did mention last week that. Your story this week is going to be uh, have a hint of cannibalism. Yes, quite interesting. Alleged cannibalism. Alleged cannibalism. Yes. Alleged. I figured, uh, why don't I just give you a couple of true facts about cannibalism? Ooh, yeah, cool. You may ask yourself, is cannibalism legal or illegal? And the answer may surprise you. Well, we talked a little bit about. In the uh-huh. crash in the Andes, uh-huh. where they resorted to whatever that scientific word term was, <laughs> that wasn't cannibalism, but re- but it was That's still right. it was based on survival and not on like for some weird desire. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and they were cleared, right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't do any time. Okay. No, 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 no. So in the United States, this is basically I'll hit on some other countries, but this is focused on the United States. Okay. So. According to Britannica, cannibalism has existed as a widespread custom in humanity for pretty much all of known history. Sure. Which is crazy. Yeah. Examples of cannibalism have been found almost on every continent in the world. The word cannibal comes from the Spanish Carib people of the Lesser Antilles. Yeah. Have you, are you familiar with them? It's is an that- island that, uh, but I, I mean, Spanish Carib people, so I'm thinking it's probably somewhere in Europe, the Antilles Islands. Okay. Yeah. All right, so they engaged in this practice. Now, cannibalism has been recorded in people from Central and West Africa, mm-hmm. Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, New Guinea, and also North and South America. Mm-hmm. People from New Zealand were known to feast on the flesh of their enemies after battle. Nothing like taking them out and taking them down. Savage. Yeah. Oof. Oh boy. Cannibalism has been recorded as a part of a religious ritual, witchcraft, or sorcery. Mm. Sauce. Mm. Uh, oh, oh, you're giving me that look. Mm. Is that okay. okay? All right. So, sorcery was often the motivation for ritualistic cannibalism in Africa mm-hmm. and the Aztecs of central Mexico. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to those pyramids? No, <laughs> we were just in Mexico also mm. in February. Mm-hmm. We went on a cruise and my mother-in-law and her sister went to the Mayan ruins, not to the Aztecs, but went mm. to the Mayan ruins while my husband and I went diving. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so at one point in time, yeah, definitely got to go see some of those pyramids and historical features in central Mexico. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. So they were known to practice large-scale cannibalism during uh, religious ceremonies mm-hmm. involving sacrifice of their enemies. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of, I mean, you could see it on the History Channel. There's a lot of documentaries based on what they did. They even, I think there was a documentary that even highlighted that they were one of the first tribes to come up with basketball. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, in their court or like they have like this this in the pyramid they have like this section looks like a a mini little calcium yeah so they have this court and they have these metal rings going around the court and they said that that was a form of basketball the one of the earliest forms of it okay crazy crazy stuff sure yeah yeah so now cannibalism must be illegal in the united states right because we're so well i'm gonna assume that it's legal by how you're asking that question (laughs) (laughs) I can put two and two together. Exactly. (laughs) You got to read between the lines. Yep. So, no, cannibalism is not illegal in the United States. uh, There are tons of weird laws in the United States that really don't make much sense, as we know. Yeah. For example, Silly String has been banned from all public spaces in Southington, Connecticut. Uh, Did you know this? No. There is a town in California where it's illegal to walk around in heels higher than two inches. Mm. You have to sit down to drink alcohol in Woburn, Massachusetts. Okay. Did you know that? You can't, like, walk and drink. You can't walk and drink. No drinking and walking. Got it. And the poor reptiles of New Orleans are prohibited from participating in Mardi Gras activities. So the gators can't flash and get beads. Yeah, so these are just some of the laws that America comes up with. 
you want to hear a South Carolina odd law? Yeah. So on Sundays, with a twitch no bigger than your thumb, a man can beat his wife on the state capitol steps, and it's perfectly legal. What the hell? Who? What? <laughs> so there's there's one for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh my yeah. Lord. Oh, chatters, let us know what crazy laws you have in your states. Yeah, what's your weirdest law? What's your weirdest law? My God. Golly. So, however, despite the general revulsion to something as morbid and taboo as cannibalism, the act is not explicitly outlawed in the United States. Okay. So, according to the Legal Information Institute at Cornell University, there is no one law on the books at the federal level in the United States that prohibits the eating of another person. But there are laws in separate in all states, you know, individual mm-hmm. states. Of course. Which yep. make it illegal, but they do it indirectly. Sure. So for example, murder is illegal everywhere. So that prohibits quite a few cannibals from us, you know, getting dinner. Eating their victim to death. Exactly. Okay. Um, if Even if a person gives another person consent to eat them and then commit suicide, the cannibal could still face criminal charges for desecration of a corpse, which mm-hmm. it varies among states. Not every state has that, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Well, I mean, I could, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But don't worry, because while cannibalism is technically not illegal in the United States, it's still basically participating in cannibalism is pretty much banned. Okay, yeah. So, so now the legal cases involving cannibalism. In uh, 1884, the English case Regina versus Dudley and Stevens, where they found Thomas Dudley and Edwin Stevens guilty of murdering Richard Parker while they were castaways at the high seas. Mm. Marooned during a storm 1,600 miles away from land, they drifted on a raft on the open water with no fresh water and very little food. When they ran out of food, Parker drank seawater to kind of try to shake off his thirst, uh, but of course it didn't work. Makes it worse. Yeah, he became sick. He lost consciousness. In desperation, Dudley killed Parker, and then the others drank his blood, consumed his flesh in order to survive until they were rescued a week later. They were found guilty despite their need and sentenced to death, but that it was changed in six months in prison. But it's still said that he killed him. Now, for like the mm-hmm. crash in the Andes, mm-hmm. the people that they were consuming were already dead. Right. Yeah. So if they killed him in order to eat him, that's, that's yeah, murder. they shouldn't have gotten off for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. You know what? Eat a fish. <laughs> Start catching some fish. <laughs> Now, I guess it's diff- it is different if, like I said, in the crash in the Andes, they, they were killed from either the impact or eventually, you know, succumbing to the injuries, that kind of thing, or the avalanche. Right. But, yeah, I don't know if I agree with their sentences being reduced. Yeah, you think that because it was murder, mm-hmm. that it's murder, and that's, yeah. But it was, what, late 1800, so it's fine. Yeah. it's whatever (laughs) so more recently there is a case in germany of a man who found a person on a cannibalism fetish site i think we've we've discussed this before yeah the dark web is so ugh. yeah and uh he the man consented to let him kill him and eat him yep Uh, the man who was killed was a willing victim he was butchered up and then he the man saved his flesh and pieces of his body in the freezer for a special occasion Mm. Uh, but he was arrested a few months later cannibalism wasn't illegal in germany did not know that Mm. Mm. so now but the man was convicted of manslaughter and then later in another trial he was retried and then he was convicted of murder yeah i mean it's just like i don't know if you want to try cannibalism Mm. like don't you're gonna have to like kill the person yeah which consuming a body isn't necessarily like like you said like illegal but the means to get to that probably is <laughs> yeah and also like if you think about it there are so many in a lot of these countries they're so old they have so many stupid laws that were written like you just said about this beating your wife on a step yeah. this. oh god yeah <laughs> so you know 150 years ago that might may have been a thing but these laws are not going to be tested until it happens again and yes. you're like oh shit there's a law <laughs> yeah there isn't a or, law <laughs> it's some like you said something happens the only time we get new laws is when other laws are challenged right but they're not going to be challenged unless some sunday a man takes his wife and beats her you know on the state capitol steps on with a twitch with a twitch 
I, I need to know what a Twitch is. Can you please post a picture on Patreon <laughs> a, of what a freaking Twitch is? A device that is used to restrain horses for various stressful situations. They use a horse Twitch to help, like, for veterinary treatment, I guess. It's made up of a stick-like handle, loop or chain or rope on the end mm -hmm. with a metal ring or some sort of loop that's wrapped around the underlip of the horse and is tightened. I know exactly what it is because I rode horses all my life. I know exactly. So it's like on the horse face, like the lips of the horse. Yes. It's like a garrote. Yes. Ties your little upper lip and you can kind of tighten it. Mm -hmm. But it's like a contraption. It's not something you whip somebody with. Well, you can do it in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I think, honestly, I think you should put somebody off, hand them a twitch, and be like, hit me, go ahead. Go do it. I need to challenge this law and beat your ass, but still. Well, it has to be your spouse, so it would have to be my husband. Oh, he would never do Don't do, do that. that to Chris. No, don't do that no. to him. So, ironically, I was going to discuss some interesting delicacies that people eat, strange mm -hmm. stuff. You're going over Italy, like a, a, a crime that happened in Italy? Yeah. Tonight? Okay. Yes. So, I found this one thing that, because I'm a cheese lover, I love cheese. Ugh, we're going to talk about a cheese maker. <gasps> Perfect. All right. So, all right. So, I don't, it doesn't matter if it's stinky. It doesn't matter. I love cheese. You, you're with me, right, girl? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. So, there is a cheese called a Casu Marzu. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's made in Italy, and it's also known as maggot cheese. <clears throat> so, it's cheese that is fermented, and what they do is they wait for the maggots to start to grow, and that's when they, that's when it's ready to eat. When there's live maggots, in order to serve the cheese, it has to have live maggots maggots in it and there's no. a picture i will post it on patreon and yeah no thank you no. nay nay no <laughs> i <laughs> say <all>. no <laughs> i've seen too many dead bodies with maggots on it that i Ugh. will never no thank you no well uh so today's crime chat is a another crime and cosmetics segment yes. and it is quite the interesting story we've kind of alluded to it a little bit uh -huh. There's conspiracies, a little superstition, definitely some murder. Mm -hmm. But have you ever heard of the soap maker of Cor I'm okay. I'm gonna butcher a lot of Italian, <laughs> and I'm going to insult my Italian ancestors. And I'm gonna sit here and not know the difference. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Correggio, the soap maker of Correggio. Have you heard of that? No, I have not. I can't, okay. I can't wait. I'm sure I've heard of the crime, but I don't know the sure. details. Leonardo Cinciatulli. Cin, wait, you're, Cianciulli. You're doing great. <laughs> Leonardo, I'm just going to call her Leonardo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was an early 1900s serial killer from Italy. She claimed to have murdered three women and used their bodies to make soap and little tea cakes that she served to her customers. Does it sound a little familiar now? I uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know the details, but yes, it does sound familiar. Well, she wrote a 700-plus page memoir called The Confessione de un Anime e Margeriata, or The Confessions of a Bitter Soul, Ooh. recounting her life, which I'm going to get into, mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of speculation surrounding the truthfulness of her manifesto. Mm -hmm. I'll get into all the deets after we hear a quick word from our sponsor. Now for a word from our sponsor. Today's segment has been sponsored by our friends at Fatal Beauty LLC, a vegan, cruelty-free, eco-friendly, women-owned, and Indian-inspired beauty line. They have all kinds of cosmetics and accessories, eyeshadows, lips, lashes, brushes, you name it, they have it. And they are absolutely committed to quality, which should never be a compromise. They are the only place you need to shop for great, fabulous, affordable makeup. And they have a variety of collections to include collabs with the amazing makeup artist Paul Dow. They also have a BFF collection, which is so fitting as this company was started by two besties who want you to feel like a queen. This BFF collection includes amazingly pigmented eyeshadow palettes, lashes, and lipsticks that are just gorgeous. But there's so much more to explore, and there is something literally for everyone. You can shop now at www.shopfatalbeauty.com using our code CRIMECHAT for a 20% off of your entire purchase. That's www.shopfatalbeauty.com to earn your discount today. 
Okay, Kat, you got to stop doing that. You can't, <laughs> you can't stop the story for an ad. I got to give you a little teaser. Get you a little appetite, you know, to get ready for the rest of this disaster that we're going to get into. <laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So I mentioned Leonardo Chinchuli. Maybe I have to give it a little. Ooh. So Leonardo, she was born April 18th, 1894 in Montella, Italy. Crime chat fun fact. Montella is known for their chestnuts. And they have a chestnut festival every year and even have a chestnut museum. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just there's a little fun fact. Yeah. Leonardo was an Aries who can be described as naive and childish at heart, passionate, strong, and loving, but they also love to be in control. Uh. Now, while I don't always rely on signs of the stars to describe a person or a character, this one fits her to a T. Okay. Leonardo alleged she was a rape baby, where she described how her father sexually assaulted her mother and then was forced to marry her mother because she was pregnant. Oh. The mother, Amelia Dinoffi who was a widow, had five other children, was previously married. Her father, Mariano Chinchilli, was a cattle breeder or a merchant. I've heard a couple different things, or maybe you can sell your cattle. Maybe mm -hmm. he was a cattle merchant. Okay. From Salerno, Italy. In, now, in her memoirs, as I mentioned, Leonardo claimed she did not have the best childhood. And here's what she said, and I quote, I was a weak and sickly child. I suffered from epilepsy, but mine treated me like a burden. They had none of the attention for me that they brought to the the other children mom hated me because she didn't want me to be born i was an unhappy child and i wanted to die i tried twice to hang myself once they came in to save me and the other the rope broke mom let me know that she was sorry to see me alive again once i swallowed two sticks of her bust always with the intention of dying and ate some shards of glass nothing happened end quote uh, oh my god that's terrible keep that in mind as we okay. go through the story your opinion okay. may change oh okay Okay, Leonardo, obviously describing her childhood as being horrendous. She was also described as having a stocky build with kind of a manly face. I've got some pictures that I'll put on the drive as well. Mm -hmm. But she says that she found herself um, like men were attracted to her. She Maybe this was from the attention she wasn't getting from her parents. She sought mm -hmm. out the attention from men. She attracted one man, Raphael Pansardi, whom she ended up marrying. And her parents like absolutely disapproved of this marriage altogether. He was an employee of the registry office. They married in 1917 and moved to a town called Liriano shortly before the First World War. Now, allegedly because of the mother, Amelia, and how she rejected Leonardo's marriage, she told Leonardo, I curse you. I curse you in your marriage and your life. Oh, my God. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. While this was nothing more than a war of the words, Leonardo mm -hmm. actually took that to heart and truly began to feel cursed. And here's some of the other things that happened. Happened. The marriage turned out to be disastrous and agonistic. She was in agony all the time, okay. right? So disastrous and agonistic. Raphael left the registry office at one point and became an alcoholic. Later, he also, went, I guess, went back to the registry office at some point and then was transferred out of town, but Leonardo didn't end up moving. And I'll kind of get into that here because they moved a lot. Mm -hmm. In 1921... They moved to Loria, where Leonardo was eventually charged with fraud and then sent to prison in 1927. Oh my god. After she was released, Leonardo and Raphael moved again to Lacedonia. However, in 1930, when they were living in Lacedonia, their home was destroyed by an earthquake, so then the couple moved to Carugio, which is, she was the soap maker of Carugio. With the government providing compensation for their lost home from the earthquake, and an improved economy, things somewhat started to look up for Leonardo. She ran her own business, where she was basically selling Selling, like used clothing to other women. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned that the, her mother Amelia had cursed her. In her younger years, before she got married, she also sought out a gypsy or a, a fortune teller who told her that she would marry and have children, but her children will all die. After going to see another gypsy, this one was a man, Leonardo was told that, that, <laughs> that there would be prison in her right hand and a madhouse or an asylum in her left by doing the palm reading. These would be her what she called her two episodes 
that perhaps intertwined with her mother's curse influenced what would be to come. One of the other tragedies that Leonardo faced in her life was that she claimed of the 17 times that she was pregnant, 10 of them died very young and three were lost to basically miscarriages, but they called them spontaneous abortions or premature births, but they just didn't survive the birth. That leaves four remaining children. They were Giuseppe, Bernardo, and Baggio, all males, all sons, and then a daughter, Norma. Leonardo became a very overprotective mother and would do anything to prevent the first reading from coming true, meaning that she would lose all of her children. Uh-huh. Now, despite being rejected herself as a child, she claimed that her children were the only possessions that she had in life. She solely tortured herself with the thought of her mother's curse, with the thought of the fortune teller's premonition on her, and she wrote in her memoir the following, quote, I can't bear the loss of another child. Almost every night I dream of the small white coffins of those others, swallowed up one after the other by the black earth, end quote. Oh my god. Now that's devastating. I mean, I can't, I, I can't even fathom. Yeah. The impact of losing a child, mm-hmm. let alone multiple children, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Leonardo turned toward what she called magic, sorcery, superstition. She read books about palmistry, astronomy, spells, hexes, spiritualism, and basically said that she wanted to learn as much as she can in order to neutralize them. She became a self-proclaimed sorceress and provided palm readings to others, including horoscopes, to her friends and other customers. While others felt that her friends maybe just went to her for advice, she claimed that this was a sorcery of hers, that she was able to predict these things. Uh Now, the eldest and favorite child, Giuseppe, was told that he would have to join the military, leading off to, because we were starting to get into the Second World War in Italy. This ultimately started the the peak of the deterioration, I'll say, of what was left of Leonardo's mental stability. In order to protect her son, she said that the only thing that she could do was a life for a life, human sacrifice and change for her son's life. Like, she convinced herself that was the only thing that she could do. Yeah. So Leonardo was actually popular in town. Uh, she had her own business, as I mentioned. She was a local fortune teller. People came to her for advice. She had already had a good clientele, three of which would become this sacrifice to save her son, as she said. The first victim was Faustina Setti, a lifelong spinster who sought out Leonardo's wisdom to help find a husband. In 1939, Leonardo convinced Faustina that she had found, indeed, a suitable partner for her, a well-off man living in Pola, which is actually now, like, modern day Croatia mm-hmm. but she warned Faustina she couldn't gloat about it because it would cause envy like amongst the town and all the other single women now while some reports say Faustina was in her 50s others say that she was in her 70s either way on the morning of December 17th Leonardo arranged for Faustina to head to Paolo she greeted Faustina who she noted had dyed her hair and bought new clothes and Leonardo wrote in her memoir she wanted to look like a child and it was pathetic <laughs> oh. because she wanted to look younger yeah she was going off to get married, right? Yeah. She convinced Faustina to write letters and postcards to her family and friends in Carigio, while she was still in Carigio, mm-hmm. but basically write them ahead of time yeah. and then you can mail them when you get there. Mm-hmm. Leonardo actually ended up dictating what to write for Faustina because Faustina was pretty much illiterate. She didn't know what to write or how to write, but apparently Faustina was so thankful for Leonardo and for her help and for everything that she had done for her. So Leonardo drugged her with some wine. <laughs> she served her some wine that was heavily, like, I don't know what kind of like medication or whatever, but reportedly there was some sort of drugs that was in the wine. Uh-huh. And with her guard down, Faustina fell victim to Leonardo's ex, whose head was fractured and body was eventually dismembered into nine different parts. Oh my god. That escalated rather quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so Leonardo wrote, quote, I threw the pieces in the pot, added seven kilograms of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap. Oh my god. I s- I stirred it all until the dissected body dissolved into a dark, vicious pulp with which I filled some buckets and emptied it into a nearby cesspool. As for the blood in the basin, I waited for it to coagulate. I dried it in the oven, grinded it, and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs, as well as a little margarine, mixing everything together. I made a large amount of crunchy pastries and served them to visiting ladies, but Giuseppe and I ate it too. What the fuck? Wait. (laughs) Okay, wait a minute. So that's very descriptive. Oh, yeah. that And that's that's what her 700-plus page memoir was like. She sounds like, what's her name? What's a Julia Childs talking about her, her famous, like, hollandaise, hollandaise sauce. Like, when she's like, oh, you just whip, oh. whip the eggs. And she, oh, my God. That's just so. Yes. 
wow. descriptive. Yeah, that's a little, that's very descriptive. Yes. For some, this is not something that she just thought up. This is something that she is, she, she, <laughs> she, I mean, is this something that she was, she was taught? Did somebody teach her how to do this or? There's no indication of that. But like I said, it, some of the cannibalism here, but alleged cannibalism, we'll kind of get into it a little bit. But when she added the flour, the sugar, the milk, the, and the eggs, I'm like, what the fuck is she making? Well, she's a mommy homemaker. Oh, she's my a, You know, God. those are the tea cakes. Wow. The crunchy, crunchy pastries. Oh, my God. Okay. I can't do Italian. The crunchy pastries. <laughs> I don't know. So, Leonardo then sent Giuseppe to Pola, right? Because that's where Faustina was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. To mail the letters that Faustina wrote in order for them to be postmarked from Pola. Leonardo also sold some of the clothes Faustina had brought with her that she was taking with her on her trip. Some sources also recorded that Leonardo apparently received Faustina's life savings, which was 30,000 lire. Um, before they switched to euros in the 90s, they had what was called a lire. Mm-hmm. This is equivalent to about $28,000 today. That's a lot of money. It's a big chunk, yeah. right? As payment for her services, so allegedly Leonardo got the life savings, she soon realized that she needed to sacrifice three more people to save the rest of her children. Like, she loved her son. Her son was the favorite, but she also said, this is for Giuseppe. I need to, you know, sacrifice the rest. Yeah. But it didn't come right away. And one of the actual definitions of a serial killer is where there's a cooling off period. Her cooling off period was about nine months. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the second victim was a school teacher, Francesca Suave. I love the name Francesca. It's like one of my favorites. It's beautiful. So Francesca had dreams of leaving Carigio to find other employment. In September of 1940, Leonardo told Francesca there was a job at the Piacenza. <laughs> Piacenza. Just throw your hands up like this and it just sounds right. Piacenza. It sounds right. There you go. <laughs> a, a girls boarding school in Piacenza. <laughs> Of which Francesca was very happy to take, and basically she just wanted to get out of Carugio. Mm. So on September 7th, Leonardo persuaded Francesca to meet with her before leaving town, to which she was happy to meet with her quote-unquote friend, right? As with Faustina, Leonardo also convinced Francesca to write some postcards to her family to send once she left Carugio. But this allegedly took a little bit more convincing because Francesca was literate. And she actually only wrote two, whereas Faustina wrote several. Uh-huh. However, after serving Francesca with some coffee, Leonardo struck again and used her axe. <laughs> she was soon learned that Francesca actually didn't have as much money as Faustina, about 3000 lire, which is like $2,800 in value today. Now, as a way to earn more money off of this murder, Leonardo told people that she was hired by Francesca to basically sell all of her goods that she left behind. So she went into her house and like took all the furniture and mm-hmm. everything and, like to sell it. So that's, that's how she made some money. Mm-hmm. And again, Giuseppe delivered the postcards, this time postmarked from Pienza, wherever it was that girls boarding school was. <laughs> So the final victim was another friend and customer of Leonardo. Her name was Virginia. I'm just going to call her Virginia. She was a former opera singer. She was a soprano and had come down on hard times. Often bragging about her previous flashy clothes and high life. She basically was trying to do anything that she could to get back to her previous life. Mm-hmm. Taking advantage of this vulnerability, Leonardo's like, I have an opportunity for you in Florence. Basically, she told Virginia that she could possibly make her way back into the limelight as a secretary for an impresario, which is somebody who organizes, like, concerts and operas. Mm-hmm. Leonardo said the job, however, was working for her former lover, who she told Virginia she had to keep a secret because it would ruin her family, basically. Like, my husband doesn't need to know I'm still talking to my former lover, so shh, right? Mm-hmm. And a very ecstatic Virginia kept the secret, but would fall to the same fate as the other two. And Leonardo wrote in her memoir of Virginia, quote, It ended up in the pot like the other two. Oh. Her oh, flesh was fat and white. And when she was dissolved, I added a bottle of cologne and, after a long boil, acceptable creamy soaps came out. I gave them a tribute to neighbors and acquaintances. Even the desserts were better. She, that woman, was really sweet. End quote. <laughs> what the fuck? That's so twisted. Tell That's me about it. So t- twist. Okay. She's. I. It's just. It's. It's mind-boggling how she's describing how she's cooking them like the way we would 
talk about baking yeah. brownies or so, yeah okay like I said, keep it in mind. Mm. We'll get to it. Okay. So Virginia would be the wealthiest of the three, in which Leonardo gained 50,000 lire, or about $46,000 today, mm. and also ended up selling Virginia's clothes, like the high-end clothes that she still had. She had some jewelry, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. However, by doing this, it would cause much suspicion because she sold them out of her shop, and as you can imagine, somebody goes missing, noses start to poke around, right? Yeah. So all of the bodies she dissolved using, I mentioned caustic soda right this is what makes leonardo quite unique for this time frame by turning these women into soaps and tea cakes Mm-hmm. This leads us to our next crime chat fun fact. Caustic soda is also known as sodium hydroxide or lye. Mm. It's a very corrosive type of chemical. According to the CDC, sodium hydroxide has no smell, but it's caustic. Caustic is meaning corrosive. It can cause chemical burns when coming in contact with the skin or the eyes and can cause temporary hair loss. It's used in soaps, rayon, paper, products that explode, dyes, and petroleum products. And it's often found in commercial drain and oven cleaners you know like you get that oven cleaner and you go to clean it and you're just like i need like a mask over my whole face because it's horrible to inhale that shit's dangerous i'm afraid of those products like i will spray my stove and then leave and hope for the best (laughs) so leonardo used this caustic soda because it's excellent at dissolving grease and fat right if you think about Mm. it in your oven even Mm. in the human form grease and fat Okay, so how did O. Leonardo get caught? So Virginia, the third one, the opera singer, her sister-in-law, Albertina Fancy, would be the first to be suspicious in the area, and she was concerned over Virginia's disappearance. Doing a little investigation on her own, she reportedly found that Virginia was last seen entering Leonardo's home. By just by talking to people around town. Mm-hmm. She told authorities about it, and they conducted an initial search of Leonardo's residence. After not finding anything, Albertina told authorities that Virginia had banknotes, or like bonds. They all had serial numbers on them, and if you find the serial numbers, you're going to find the killer. Wow. And apparently, Albertina had those serial numbers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you follow the money, right? Yeah. She is pretty smart for being, what, this is like 80 years ago, something like that. So, she Shortly thereafter, one of the banknotes showed up. Police tracked it back to a parish priest who said he received it from a cheesemaker. <laughs> Cheesemaker's name was Alberato Spinarelli, oh. who who also happened to be a close friend of Leonardo. This lady is, she's working in layers. Oh, yes. Like a layer cake. She's working in layers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. Now, when they questioned Spinarelli about the banknote, he said Leonardo owed him money and she paid him with the banknote. This, of course, led authorities to do another search of her home. This time, the secondary search found a hammer, a hacksaw, a kitchen cleaver, and a cauldron, all that had, like, specks of blood on it. They suspected to be blood. There were spots of blood on the floor. Not a whole lot, but just, like, speckles. But then in the closet, which is where she said she cut the bodies up. This is where most of the blood was found. Mm-hmm. And this does, does she not clean up after herself? Apparently not. Uh, there's more to that too. So I, okay. So initially, Leonardo denied all of the allegations. They were looking into her husband, Raphael, mm-hmm. and then Giuseppe, the oldest son. Once they told her they were questioning Giuseppe and they were going to arrest him, she gave in. Oh. She said, <laughs> she told a few stories about what happened first. First, it was her and the cheesemaker, Alberato. They did it together. Mm-hmm. And then it was her and Francesca, the second one, who killed the first one. And then eventually she said, fine, I did it myself. Cut them all up. I dissolved them all the bodies in the kitchen. This is, <laughs> this is interesting. So while they were in court, prosecutors actually questioned her physical ability to cut up and move the bodies. Now, while she was a stocky woman, she was only about four foot nine. Mm-hmm. Typical Italian, right? Like, Uh super short. She told the court, bring a body in here and I'll demonstrate how I did it and how quickly I did it. She said, quote, I cut here, here, here in less than 20 minutes. Everything was done, including cleaning. I might as well prove it now. End quote. She's an accurate bitch. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, hold my beer. Don't tell me I can't. Don't tell me I I can't can't do it. (laughs) Okay, so she was found guilty of all three murders, sentenced to 30 Mm. years in prison, but she had to serve three years in an asylum first 
for a proper evaluation. After the arrest, Leonardo was subjected to psychiatric examination by, I guess, what an important doctor at the time, somebody of like high of this stature. His name was uh-huh. Filippo Separito. He was a professor at the University of Rome and a director of the criminal asylum in Adversa. Separito judged the woman suffering from hysterical psychosis and totally mentally ill. The investigation section of the Bologna... I know it's not baloney. But I was going to say baloney. <laughs> it's Bologna. <laughs> I see baloney. <laughs> so the Bologna Court of Appeal instead accused the psychiatrist of having been, quote unquote, bewitched by her and deemed her to be criminally fully attributable. She died in the Judicial Asylum for Women in Pazuli. Pazuzuzu. Hands. Use your hand. Pazzoli. Pazzoli. There you go. Oh, Pazzoli. Here we go. The Italian comes out, right? Use your hands. <laughs> she died October 15th, 1970s. That wasn't that long ago. No. From cerebral apoplexy and was buried in the common grave of the cemetery of the Neapolitan town. That's actually as outside of Naples. Mm-hmm. Cerebral apoplexy is a hemorrhage or brain bleed, basically. So, karma. Yeah. And she went into a... So, she doesn't have like a tombstone or anything. She's in like a lot grave. So, here's where... We're going to get into a little bit. She was buried in the Pazuli Cemetery (laughs) in a grave for the poor. At the end of the burial period, so five years later, 1975, no one had claimed her body and her remains ended up in the common area of the city cemetery. Now, English translation from a lot of the Italian documentation says that the her family took her remains and buried her, but the truth of it is nobody actually came and got her. Okay. So that leads us into the biggest part of why I want to talk about some of the conspiracies behind this story. Mm-hmm. There's so many. Yeah, the story is kind of all over the place. She's a big bullshitter. Mm-hmm. Did she kill those three women? Yes. Was she that superstitious to take human sacrifices to save her son from this war casualty? Maybe. Mm. Her actions are contested by the mere translation of her memoir. And it's possible that she exploited her own backgrounds, her own beliefs and superstitions to actually gain sympathy. Whereas, like, her lawyers were telling her, Mm. beef it up, lady. A lot of this, I have to give credit to. Have you ever heard of the podcast, Things That Keep Me Up at Night? No. Excellent. Yeah? Shout out to Brooke and Olivia. Okay. They talk about the craziest things, right? Which I probably should have listened to them because I could not sleep last night. I could not (laughs) shut my brain off. So apparently maybe that was something that got me up at night. I don't know. So they did a podcast on the story and called out (laughs) the laziness of the translations and inaccuracy of some of the translations of the true story. Everything that we went over is mostly what was translated into English. So I'm going to call out some of those stories. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) I mentioned she, she wrote this memoir right don't you dare if you go on another uh, uh, sponsored break i'm gonna kill you okay <laughs> no 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 i am in this white knuckle at the steering wheel right now okay <laughs> so she wrote this while she was in the asylum and while she was literate she could only write at the third grade level her education was only at the third grade level mm-hmm. this led most italian authorities and psychologists to believe that things were exaggerated she added to the actual truth also somehow making the public more sympathetic and and then also to make her look more crazy to kind of go off of that plea of insanity yeah i mean she bewitched the one doctor who did an evaluation of her right and this was also the time of world war ii right Mm -hmm. and in europe it was common knowledge that the nazis had poor views of the jewish right right and they would make soap out of their bodies this (gasps) was common in the news at the time frame yeah she could have very well used that yeah do you think she was protecting like maybe her husband maybe he had some type of oh no 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 there's Okay. There's more. <laughs> okay. Yeah, her. Uh, there's not much left of her husband, but he does pop back in a, in a little bit. They're, like throughout the whole time, like where the hell was the husband? We'll yeah. get to that. So while law enforcement did in fact find caustic soda in Leonardo's home, there was no evidence that the bodies were actually cooked or dissolved, and instead there were remnants reminiscence of human bones and fragments. Faustina's dentures. They found a piece of that, so I guess she was missing maybe like half of mm. some of her teeth or whatever. They were still intact. The bodies appeared to have been chopped up like the evidence led to them being chopped up but not necessarily dissolved leonardo had two housekeepers one of them had a nervous breakdown because of the smell and everything that she just left and the law enforcement never even interviewed her they never talked to her but the other housekeeper however said she saw a strange saucepan on the stove the bathroom had a rotting stench so they were questioning the housekeeper at this point right due to much of the misinformation and questioning of authenticity of leonardo 
Tartar's story, the case was actually reopened in 2010. They found that the documentation was inconsistent with what could have happened scientifically. Like from what she said happened based on the evidence that was collected at the time, scientifically, she couldn't have done it. She said first that she added caustic soda to the body. I shouldn't say couldn't have done it. It was very improbable. She said she first added caustic soda to the bodies before water, but this would have caused such a corrosive and dangerous fumes to actually be released. It would have been dangerous for her. Typically, when you're trying to dissolve something, you have water first, or like the products that we use are already diluted with water. Right. But if you have like straight caustic soda, you put water first and then add the caustic soda to it. Animal fat also was used at this time to make soaps, but apparently you have to really know what you're doing in order to precisely separate the fat from the muscle. Leonardo, based on her story, said she hacked up the bodies, put them into a pot, and then dissolved them. This would have made it impossible for the fat to have been removed in that precise manner from the muscle to make the soap appropriately. Okay. Instead, the theory that our ladies from Things That Keep Me Up at Night indicate that Leonardo hacked them up incrementally and kind of got rid of the pieces a body is over time. Mm -hmm. The housekeeper several years later kind of part into this investigation said that she found limbs upstairs. She found a bloodstained suitcase that belonged to Giuseppe and this could have meant when Giuseppe went out of town for military service to do his time with the army or to either that or drop off the postcards or the letters he slowly got rid of the body parts over time. It was like dropping them off in certain areas. Police believed the whole time that Giuseppe was involved but Leonardo was adamant. He didn't know anything and he was actually either acquitted or exonerated at the time. The husband when they went and were questioning and they were like where is the husband? Mm. Why is he not around? He ended up getting transferred out with another job. Mm. The way that their marriage was I guess it just worked for them. Mm. It wasn't a very loving marriage at all but he was basically brought back for questioning and as soon as he was exonerated from any charges he left town. Had nothing to do with her, nothing to do with his family. He's like I'm out. Oh, oh my god. So there's a reason why there's not much documentation on him, and that's just because he wasn't there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There was another neuropsychiatrist and professor at the criminology at the University of Bologna. He said, quote, in reality, it is only a myth born around the figure of Cincilli Leonardo, of which no confirmation can be found in the official documentation, meaning anything that she wrote in her memoir yeah. is probably not true. Now, it, it actually was never published that like authorities kept a copy of this and like bits and pieces and stuff have kind of come out but it was never published right uh it is possible she was trying to plead insanity as i mentioned but if you recall she was arrested for fraud and imprisoned for fraud her whole life cat's theory is a scheme (laughs) (laughs) she okay for instance she was the youngest of six children according to things that keep me up at night podcast what they said is if leonardo was the youngest like when leonardo was born her mother would have been 14 years old and to have five siblings before her and then her mother also being a widow she would have been had to have been like 10 and have been a widow was she confirmed to be 14 when she had her no okay no but if you go off of what leonardo says ah got it got it got it Okay. Improbable to the highest degree, right? Okay. So she was likely using it as a sob yeah. story. Some reports also said that she was the oldest. Maybe that would be a little bit more probable, but it would make her story seem a little bit different because her mother was a widow. Mm. Now the fact that her father raped the mother, I'd say it's improbable. She probably just used that yeah. to gain sympathy. She also said in her memoir, she attempted suicide. Well, she attempted suicide twice while she was awaiting trial. When she went to write her memoir she probably used the actual attempts to say that it was that her childhood was so horrible that it it happened in her childhood. Right. Her whole claim to have been a fortune teller, a a sorceress, a self-proclaimed sorceress was also likely a scheme. It's all for the money. She just literally did it all for the money because I mean they were pretty poor. They didn't have a whole lot of money. Yeah. And the husband was also questioned about well when Leonardo all of a sudden had like $30,000 like did you ask her? And he's like well she owned her own shop. I don't she has her thing and I do my thing. Like he hadn't. What a guy. He just was wanted to stay out of it like altogether. What a guy. The bottom line 
line is that she befriended these ladies. She earned their trust. She manipulated them to doing exactly what she wanted them to do in order to sacrifice their life for her children. A mother's love? Mm. So that's Mm-mm. that's my story. There's so much more to it. Yeah. That's just like, that's crazy. When The minute you started getting into that Italian female obsession about their firstborn son. I'm so, I'm used to it. Yeah. I know people, I know people like this. Yeah. Who are obsessed, like mothers mm-hmm. who just kind of baby their boys. And I've got pictures. There's a picture of her hugging Giuseppe at trial. Mm-hmm. There's another picture of Giuseppe. I've got a picture of her and I believe it's her husband. Oh, oh, oh. The other thing I wanted to mention is there's an actual, there's a museum of criminology in Italy and mm-hmm. she's got like her own section and they've got some of the tools, the hacksaw, the knife, the blade and stuff that they, that she used. Right. It's in the museum. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. <laughs> let's go. Yes, let's go. <laughs> What a doozy. That is I don't know. Like, what a crazy, like, did she, again, kind of like how we talk about, did she kill them? She did. Uh, yeah. The reasonings behind it are very fluid. Like, they're not solid at all. What if her son was the murderer? So police, and because of her statue, like, they're questioning Mm. in it, obviously, and she's like, oh, no, 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 I did it. I'll show you exactly how I did it right now. Again, English translations actually say that they took her to a mortuary yeah and she demonstrated how to do it but that's not actually what really happened there's nothing in italian documentation and like historical documentation that says that she actually did that yeah (laughs) and plus like what court is going to allow that like what and legally it's it's easier to kind of call a woman crazy than say that a he he was in the military this kid yes yeah. Then, then tarnish the reputation of one of your own. Sure. I mean, and I don't. I she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is. So this is. This was a, a crazy freaking story. Yeah. I wouldn't. Crazy. Yeah, and just think of you know she alleged that all the, her customers she fed them the tea cakes or the crispy pastries they were eating somebody she else. She ate them too. And she ate them. Her and Giuseppe ate them as well. And there's not much said about the other children like at all. Her children actually other than Giuseppe, the other three children weren't interviewed as part of the investigation. Yeah. I guess maybe because they were so young, but I don't know. Wow. Crazy. Oh, you have pictures of her? I do. I want to see this one. I will have pictures of her on the Patreon. Okay, good. Uh, well, because we don't want to leave you hanging, chatters, for more information on this case, please check out that After That Crime chat. Yes, pictures, resources, some of that good, mm-hmm. the good resources. And, and one of the things that the ladies on Things That Keep Me Up at Night mm-hmm. mentioned was like, Wikipedia, Murderpedia was all like, mm-hmm. there was like a ton of articles that were all copy and pasted. Really? And that's why they were complaining <gasps> about like lazy journalism. Right. And not actually going to the Italian resources. I mean, and having to use like Google Translate or whatever, but at least getting yeah. more authentic information versus just like copy and pasting from either Wikipedia or Murderpedia. Right. Just, Crazy. Okay. Yeah. I gotta check them out. So I'll give you the good resources on that. Good. But don't forget, you can also follow us, Crime Chat and that account on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter. See what's coming up next. Yes, and remember that Crime Chat with Nat and Kat. Subscribe to our Patreon. You will get bonus episodes and silly bloopers and also check on what's in the works with the merch. Yeah, we've got some mm-hmm. of our VIP chatters out there that just got some merchandise in the last ones that kind of yes. came in. They got their palettes. So How shout cool. out to Stephanie and Genia. They got their palettes and they were so excited about it. So yes. very exciting. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah. Enjoy it. And don't yeah. forget to post on it in the page. We want to see. We want to yes. see your makeup look. We do. And be sure to check out our next episode it's a surprise i don't even know (laughs) it's a surprise it's something we do almost every freaking day sleepwalk (laughs) (laughs) i know not sleepwalk but i know i have done it one time or a couple of times when i took like an ambient oh and i didn't go to sleep right away and then suddenly the next day something's at my doorstep and it's like what the fuck did i impulse buying (laughs) (laughs) either way I'm excited. I don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it either. So we will see you guys at the next time chat. Bye.